Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 491. And we're so close to my Films of the Year podcast, which comes out as the first episode of the year. So I was delighted when I got the chance to talk to my guest today, Ryan Johnson, who's made some of my favourite films. We nerd out a bit over Brick, which was a really important film in my film nerd formative years. And we nerd out about Knives Out, and we're here specifically to talk about Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, which is coming to Netflix in a couple of days. So worry not. I get some uh, some questions in from uh, some some mutual friends we have as well. Two of them are previous guests, so at the end I'll tell you, and you can go back and check those episodes out. But before we get into it all, I just want to thank everyone for a year of amazing support from you guys we've had people like ivana lynch on yusef kakar tom davis uh stephen fry lucy pinder craig roberts like so many i'm I'm, I'm trying to specifically go through the more film tv type people benedict wong who i mention um towards the end of this one gaspar noe who's my favorite director of all time all respect to ryan um jack lowden Joe Barton, David Earl, just so many amazing people. Kerry Godleyman, Frankie Ball, Paddy Considine came back on. John Bradley West came back on, who's another one I mentioned towards the end here. Caitlin Diva had my favourite moment in maybe the history of of the podcast. So, uh, yeah, huge love to you all for coming and joining in and supporting and being part of this. I think you're going to enjoy this episode. It's amazing how much we get into just over 30 minutes. It feels like an hour, I promise you that. We're brought to you as ever by speech development records.com. It's too late to order anything for Christmas from there, but if you've got some sort of money for Christmas, we still have 27% off everything because 27% is the average rise in g- gas and electricity bills in this current cost of living crisis. So I wanted to kind of match that in the opposite direction. There's there's patreon.com forward slash Scroobius Pip. You can come and hang out there. And at twitch.tv forward slash Scroobius Pip. Um, yo, maybe? Or Scroobius I'm easy to find. I'm on Twitch. I do a lot of stuff on Twitch at the moment. Yeah. Shall we get into the episode? As said, when Knives Out came out, I'd just done a film called Kill Ben Like, which was a modern murder mystery set in a French sh- chateau. Um, and Knives Out came out and obviously blew us out the water but for good reason mate like i'm dead proud of that film it had uh it had simone ashley in it who went on to do sex education and bridgerton it had eugene simon from game of thrones who else did it have it had bronson webb who went on to do ted lasso ashley thomas bashy from top boy from them really good cast but it weren't Captain America and James Bond. Jesus. <laughs> Glass Onion is a joy and you're going to enjoy this conversation. This is spoiler free, just so you know. We we were adamant on keeping it spoiler free. Enjoy this wonderful chat with the wonderful Ryan Johnson. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 491. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of 
Right, I'm joined today by Ryan Johnson. How are you, sir? How How is it all going at the moment, pr- oh. promoting at this time of year? Yeah, I'm really good. It's fun. Uh, I'm here in London and it feels very Christmassy. So it's, I'm having a good time. I, l- I love it. Well, well, we're here to talk about Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, which I adored, by the way. Thank you. But we've got a few mutual friends. So I've asked them to submit some questions. So I'll get to that as well. But first things first, I need to nerd out a little bit over Brick because Brick was a huge part in my kind of journey of becoming a film nerd, if you know what I mean. That journey from only obsessing over mainstream films to enjoying the indie films that went through Buffalo 66, Donnie Darko, Mm. obviously a big one for a lot of people. Um, Everything Shane Meadows made, Chopper, and very much Brick. So how was it to kind of get that made to get your first film off the ground and to make something that you could feel had your voice. Uh, That's some fine company to be in. All the things you mentioned, I was fans of those things too. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I wrote Brick when I was right out of college when I was just 22 and um, basically spent my 20s failing to get it made. (laughs) I, I didn't have any connections in the industry. I And I really just kind of worked day jobs and kept just pushing the script out there any way I can. And um, anyway, I could. So it it was a long, long process. And I think um, by the time I did eventually make it, um, when I was turning 30, I think I'd had it in my head for so long. I'd really Mm. planned it down to the nth detail. You know, I, I I had the whole thing in my head so solidly which I'm grateful for. That means when I showed up on set, I really knew knew what I wanted, you know? It's really interesting how that works. I've spoken to the Safdie brothers about that, mm. where a film comes at the right time and maybe the time you planned to make the film, it wouldn't have ended up as good as when you actually got to make it. Absolutely. I think about it, I'm so thankful. I mean, in my 20 20- three-year-old self would punch me in the face for saying this if they had a time (laughs) travel machine. But (laughs) I am so, so thankful that I didn't make that movie in my early 20s. I feel like um, it was, I'm sure it was a much better movie for me being a little older when I, when I made it. And did Knives Out have any of that? Because it very much came Mm. at the, at the right time, right? Was that a script that you'd been trying to make for a while or was it obviously the pandemic and everything that restricted things and you had to find the Mm. right things? What was the... Yeah, the balance there. Well, the first Knives Out, it was, it was um, the first film. It was, yeah, I had had the idea for a long, long time. I had the, had the idea in the back of my head for about a decade. Yeah, but I didn't write the script until it was time. Until I had just finished making the Last Jedi, and and just kind of thought, oh, I've had this idea for a while. Maybe this is time to write this one. So I sat down and wrote it then, and and it all happened very, very quickly from then on out. And then Glass Onion, that script was kind of born out of. The pandemic that that yeah. I wrote in in 2020 when I was sitting at home along with everyone else in the world, and uh, you know the movie ended up kind of reflecting that a little bit, I guess. Um, but that was much more. I it was kind of terrifying because Knives Out I had had the idea cooking for a long while. Glass Onion I hadn't. I was starting from scratch and yeah. kind of coming coming off of the back of of a movie that had been successful and that that was was, was a little daunting <laughs> and and again kind of i think one of the reasons that there are so few murder mysteries is you need a good mystery part of it and that's not mm. not, not something that you can just pull out of nowhere so i can imagine the the tension yeah. and pressure there of right right i need another one <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah it's it's uh 
it's a scary thing to kind of, but you know, the, the scary part is always going up the hill on the roller coaster, you know, once yeah. you're over the top and actually riding the thing and actually have your hands in the dirt working it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's hard, but you don't have time to be nervous about it. You just have to kind of do it. Of course. Well, I'm, I'm going to get the first guest question in now. And it's right. one of my favorite people in the world. And I believe someone that's been, I know you two have gone back and forth on scripts and stuff and really helped each other. Or they've spoken to me of the help you've given the, them over the years. They're also one of the key people that got me to move from music into acting it's mm. Kelly Marcel, the one, uh, the only Kelly Marcel. Kelly Marcel. Oh my um, god! And Kelly's there is a follow up question, but the first main question is: Do you write with a certain actor in mind when you're creating a character, and how often do you end up with the person you were thinking of when you wrote? And it felt perfect for this because both the Knives Out films, again, it just feels like like it's when you're at school and you and you're dream casting things. And then you've yeah. actually got these casts. Like you got <laughs> you got Bond and Captain America to take a couple of weeks off and come and do a murder mystery. And then Batista, yeah. everyone in this, Norton, the, the casts are astounding. So yeah, how much of that is in your mind as you're writing and how much uh, do you yeah. actually g- get to deliver on? Well, first of all, shout out to Kelly Marcel, who 100%. is an incredible writer and also an incredible human being. I feel really lucky to have her as a friend. But uh and to be asked a question by her. This is exciting. <laughs> I actually, when I'm writing, I try very hard to not think of actors for the parts. I try and just keep a blank slate and and write the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is because I've learned over the years that if you get an actor too solidly in your head and then they're not available for some reason, then that's always kind of sticks <laughs> with that yeah. part. And and also because if I was, I, I also figure if I'm writing and imagining an actor, I'm probably imagining a performance I've seen that actor give, and that's not really fair to them to kind of have that in my head. So, um, yeah. so I try and I try and just write the characters as the needs of the story dictate, and then afterwards, then it's a very fun process of getting together with my casting director Mary Vernu. And talking about the characters and the essence of them. And and then when Mary presents me with different people who are available or might be good for it, and I start thinking of people myself, it's like seeing different versions of the movie flash by in my head every time yeah. I think of someone new. It's a very fun process, actually. Uh, I had one of my best meetings ever with um, Mary Venu. Yeah. I was out in LA briefly, and I'd hustled to try and get a a meeting because of a particular thing they were casting and we got a general meeting and I'm saying yeah. her and they kind of said, kind of said, you know what you'd be good for? I don't know if you've heard of this and I had to just use all my acting skills to pretend it wasn't the exact reason I was hoping to be there. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of this film but you'd be really good for this. I was like, oh right, cool, yeah. I'd love to audition. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great, man. Once that. in a while you get one of those. It's a beautiful <laughs> feeling. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Um, Kelly has also insisted that I get you to tell me your sourdough recipe on record because <laughs> um, she wants it documented. So, oh my god, it's it's all I've got to put in the request. It's all about the starter, man. Yeah. I mean, the recipe the recipe is just pretty standard. It's it's uh, it's all about the starter, and I've actually let mine die. I had a really great oh, really? one going over the pandemic, and uh, I, I kept it going for a long, long while, and now it's. Uh, it's it's dead and gone, unfortunately, lost to the mists of time. So Life on the I got I got I got to start a new after after the press tour is done. Maybe I'll I'll start a new one up because I think my wife misses me 
uh, baking sourdough bread. Yeah. <laughs> or, or she probably also misses your lemon cookies because that's also got a shout out. Kelly has oh given me God, specific shouts. Cookies. Kelly knows I'm a big cookie guy and a big lemon oh, guy. So I was literally I was like, all right, this sounds... This sounds heavenly. I was baking a lot during the pandemic. And and unfortunately, I was baking so much that I ended up just like doing dry. This is when Kelly was still living in LA. <laughs> yeah. I would do drive-bys and just drop off thousands and thousands of calories worth of baked goods at, at their house. I love that. So I'm, For I'm your sure own she, health. She came to, she, <laughs> she and Steve came to detest me, I think. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I mean, speaking of, of what you're doing here now and you're in London promoting this, how is it sat here with Knives Out essentially being kind of a, a franchise for you now? It says it's mm. it's a series of films. And as you said, because it was a film that you had in your, your mind for so long but didn't necessarily pull the trigger on, mm. yeah, were you expecting it to be, oh, this is going to be a series of films? Or yeah, where were you? Yeah. Where was your mind at that time? Yeah, I mean, nobody expects a Spanish Inquisition, you know. <laughs> uh, I, uh, but I did, when I was making the first one, I did though have in the back of my head, I honestly didn't know whether people would go to see the movie when we were making the first one. It mm. was kind of, um, I mean, Kenneth Branagh had put out his uh, Murder on the Orient Express and and that had done very well, but it it was not a genre that was incredibly, you know, present in the culture yet the way it is, the way it kind of has been recently. But um, so it was a genuine question of whether people would still want to see this type of movie, you know, without the name Agatha Christie attached to it, I guess, you know. But it was in the back of my head that if they do, if this does all right, it would be really fun to keep making these, but always in the context of, of treating them the way that Agatha Christie treated her books where everyone is a completely new story. They're not continuations. They're not kind of doing the last one again with a new twist or something. They're really, I'll stop making them the day that I don't have some genuinely new, exciting, slightly scary thing that I'm trying, which I'm not sure if it'll work or not, you know, in each new movie. I love it. As as you've mentioned, the kind of, the sparseness of murder mysteries at the time, and if there was an audience, I've got to share with you that when the first one came out, I was in a group chat where 60% adored it and 40% were furious about Knives Out, but it's because (laughs) it was a group chat from a film I'd done in France that came out, honestly, I think it was a week before or two weeks before, that was a murder mystery in a French chateau. Oh, no. God, my heart goes but out. Then, but him. then again, it's like, yeah, but good films yeah. are good films, as I said. And yeah. no, I was just a stand, but I, you, you know how it can be in this industry when yeah. there is, you're sitting there thinking, no Believe one's me, doing yeah. murder mysteries at the moment. And then literally <laughs> a week later, <laughs> no. the cast was astounding. Oh, I, I was in the 60% who adored it. Oh, by the way, uh, well, that's not but, clear. But all my heart and my sympathies are with that forty percent because I know that <laughs> yeah. I know that feeling. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Also, I want to see that movie. It sounds great. It's called Friendship. Kill Ben Like. It was good. We only had about yeah. twelve days to shoot it, so I'm yeah. I'm a realist. It's not up there with Knives Out, but no, we had. I'd, I'd love to see it. Yeah. It's yeah. it's good stuff. But um, on the mutuals again, next mutual friend to bring in a question. And I hit this person up because last time I had coffee with them, they were stunned that you and I don't know each other and haven't haven't Mm. worked together. So I was like, right, well, you're a good person to ask. It's Craig Mazin. Uh, Mr. Mazin. And Craig asks, Ryan, on a scale of one to 10 Craig Mazins, where one (laughs) is terrible and 10 is actually Craig Mazin, where do you think you land? Can you answer that? Well, I think he's got it upside down because one is 
One is totally not Craig Mazin, and 10 is the most terrible, which is Craig Mazin. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's a yeah. horrible human being, as you know. <laughs> and I, I'm happy that I can intervene and say, please stay away from that man because he's no good. <laughs> you, no. Uh, <laughs> you, 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 you see, I think Craig has got it wrong. I think Craig is more a scale, like a... a, a, a a spectrum because scale is a yeah Craig is a spectrum he's a rainbow because it's of, I, yeah. I genuinely I think there is I've pulled an interesting question out of this because <laughs> Craig's journey is insane from making uh, Hangover sequels to Chernobyl the highest rated really TV true. show in yeah. in IMDb history and now The Last of Us is coming out so where are you on the life of Craig scale do you feel you've got something really dark and heavy to come. Um, because okay. again, a lot of your stuff has been so accessible and enjoyable, yeah. and like Chernobyl blew me away, and it, I couldn't believe yeah. it came from. I could believe the quality it came from Craig, but n- yeah. knowing all the the lightness I'd seen from Craig previously, it was yeah. it was a mad one. So, so yeah, do you think you have the the dark br- brooding project ahead? Oh, I don't know. I don't really. I don't really think of those trends. For me, I've what served me well is just following my nose, following my heart with each new thing. And so, you know. But I guess I'm also speaking as someone who loves the comedy stuff that Mason yeah. has done as much as I yeah. love, you know, Chernobyl. The notion that you get to be taken seriously when you do something dark. I don't know. I don't really subscribe to that. So for for me, I I just feel like I've been very privileged and lucky to be able to kind of do something and then figure out what is the most exciting thing for me to do next and then pursue that thing. And I just want to keep doing that. You know, I feel like, uh, I feel like that's the only criteria that you can really trust, I guess, is just what are you most excited about doing that, doing next, you know, follow your, follow your bliss as, as Joseph Campbell says. Yeah, that's perfect. And it's kind of, it's interesting when you've got so many paths in which to, to follow your your bliss like how do you mm. find the balance between writing directing and producing because again mm. they're all very different areas and different skills but certainly things that you can l- lose yourself in 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 yeah. different ways well i mean i, I kind of learned how to make movies just by making them with my friends growing up i mean my you know, I did go to film school, but the real film school was getting together with my friends in high school on the weekends and yeah. we would just hang out and make a movie. And we weren't making it to show it to anyone or to submit it to festivals or, you know, God forbid to even like, you know, get any jobs or anything. We were just making movies because that's what we did to hang out together. And when I did that, there wasn't a process of writing, directing, producing post-production, pre-production, whatever, you were just making a movie. Yeah. You were just telling the story and it was all one thing. So for me, I, I think there's a part of my head that still kind of feels that way. Even though I do now obviously write a script and prep it and shoot it and cut it, the entire thing for me is one continuous process mm. of just yeah, making a movie. Um, hopefully with my friends. You know, That's the other element that I've tried to maintain is keeping people around me that... I genuinely like being around and trying to create an atmosphere where it feels like we're all contributing and we're all hanging out, having a good time, making a movie, you know? Yeah. And 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 how do you find mentally balancing the change between those times and now these times where whatever you're making does have expectation? Like again, there yeah. is a beautiful freedom of making stuff that in your the back of your head you're thinking, I'd like people to see it, but <laughs> Chances are no one's ever going to see it. It's not a big deal. Whereas now, and I mean, Star Wars is a prime example as well. When there is, yeah. you, you, if you're making anything where 
there is expectation there are people waiting. And Glass Onion, as said, is a prime one because as, as, as you identified, when the first one came out, you didn't know if anyone had really come and see it or care. And it was yeah. the hit of the year, really, the unexpected mm. underdog. So yeah, how do you balance that as, I guess, as a director more, mm. that expectation that's now there when you're making something? Well, I mean, it's, it's you know... There, on one hand, there is the free, the the nice freedom of feeling like you know no one's kind of paying attention. On the other hand, there's a bit of you know almost like I would imagine a performer, like someone like Janelle, like before she goes out in front of a mm-hmm. crowded stage. I think that creates a certain knowing that there is an audience also creates kind of a very productive and useful amount of like adrenaline and and makes you want to really step up to the plate and bring it all yeah. in a in a good way. Yeah, um, yeah. But also. I don't know. I found like speaking about the Star Wars movie, like I found like with that, but also with Glass Onion. I mean, in the abstract, like when you're just looking at it before where you're thinking of, okay, I got to start working on this thing. What you're describing feels like expectations and feels like pressure. But again, once you once you actually start into it, once you actually start the process, all of that kind of magically goes away, or at least it has for me. And mm. I think there just isn't room inside the actual work of making a thing to think about the larger abstract picture outside of, of the terrifying expectations. You're just <laughs> trying to put all your energy into making it the best thing that you can. Yeah, and, 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 and the larger picture outside is something that fascinates me with art because... Mm. It does influence how we how we watch things. And Glass Onion, I found f- fascinating because there's uh, there's a lot of discussion on disruptors, and there's there's a bit speaking about how disruptors break something small that people want broken, and then build up to breaking something big. And it's really yeah. it sums things up. And knowing how long this this would have taken to make, I was watching it knowing that this isn't about Elon Musk buying Twitter. But by God, did it feel like it was written perfectly about Elon buying Twitter. And stuff like that just, it fascinates me when you can allow the world to implant its own uh, references and interpretations that that weren't necessarily there when you wrote it, but um, life finds a way of kind of finding these these things. It's quite bizarre, isn't it, man? It's very bizarre. Yeah. It's so weird. The past few months have been very strange in that regard. It fits perfectly for so much of of, of what's in Glass Onion. So how much of that do you kind of enjoy and steer into and how much of you sits there thinking, that wasn't what I meant. That wasn't what I meant. No, no, don't interpret it that way. No, no, no. No. You uh, hand it over to the audience and it's theirs to interpret now. Absolutely. No. And you you can only hope that it's this and not the opposite, which is what we were more afraid of when we were making it, which is that all of this feels passe when it comes out. You know, Um, I guess that's kind of the scary thing about very much writing to the moment, which are part of the marching orders for for these movies for me is a bit like kind of launching a projectile that's going to land two years from now. (laughs) And, um, and you're not quite sure if the things that you're, you know, worried about or upset about or, or concerned about or what have you that you're writing to in the moment are still going to be relevant when the movie actually comes out and for them to be so relevant it's it's, it feels a bit like the universe is trolling us, but in a, in a fun way, I know I, I, think it's fantastic. 
It's very interesting. And it's not fantastic for the world. It's terrible for was, the world. I was going to say, sadly, I've learned from my music career. My music was all, it's yeah. all, there was a lot of political stuff and heavy stuff in there. Yeah. And I had that same worry. And sadly, if you're writing about the, the negatives, it feels like in our current timeline, they're yeah. only going to get worse at the moment. So so release schedules are only going to enforce your, <laughs> your, yeah, your ne- so. negative side. So it's yeah, all- I guess so. And if they don't, then good. <laughs> I guess yeah. that's a, it's yeah. a type of win. It's a bonus. I've got a yeah. few songs that I would l- love to become irrelevant. It feels really yeah, weird no to say, kidding. but I'd love them to become irrelevant. No, I know, I know what you mean. Not yeah. to. Well, you spoke of, you know, writing and rewriting this next question had three drafts. Okay. Um, and you probably won't be <laughs> surprised be when I tell you it's from Edgar Wright. Um, uh, so I've always been in... Ed, Edgar Wright asks. He wrote Edgar Wright asks. So he's really scripted this. <laughs> That's so Edgar. Ed, Edgar Wright asks, I've always been impressed by your sartorial sense. You, you dress a little like a college professor at all times, which is smart. Like kiss wearing makeup. It's a look that will never age and photos of you on the set of Brick will look no different when you're on your 2062 special Oscar at the Governor Awards. <laughs> Meanwhile, in all the photos of me at work as a young man, I'm wearing band tees and a Dr. Seuss sweatshirt like a 12-year-old. So when did you come up with this cunning plan to dress like a groovy professor, a bit like Donald Sutherland in Animal House, but with the smoking marijuana part and not with the sleeping with students part? Please expand, Edgar. P.S. See you tonight, which I assume was last night, I think. No, this tonight, is tonight, actually. A few Perfect. hours, I'm going to see him. Yeah. Well, he's already given a PS to you tonight. So yeah, well, what was your... How did you come up with your your, your he, style choices? He's too, he's too kind. And also, I feel like... I feel like he, Edgar and I dress bizarrely similarly. I feel like we're usually wearing the same kind of... Edgar's evolved to it, though. I can, I can yeah. completely see Edgar, as said, in yeah. a Dr. Zeus jumper and being <laughs> a moody teenager on, on well, set. Well, he's... It, He's been posting some shots from like Shaun of the Dead, some yeah. behind the scenes shots that he's found recently. And it is hilarious seeing baby Edgar. In yeah. the, in no, I don't know. I feel like I've, I've, I've gotten much better at dressing over the years, but I did, I have always, for whatever reason, I, I think even in high school, that's part of, I put this into brick with Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, Brendan, having like a jacket that was kind of his uniform and he has his hand stuff in his jacket. I always use kind of like, a jacket that I just wear all the time as kind of a, <laughs> as armor. And that evolved into kind of like a sports coat, basically, um, as I kind of got into my 20s. So I don't know. You find something, you you stick with it. These days, I feel like I'm dressing for comfort. I'm just in a cozy sweater <laughs> most of the time. Have you got directing outfits? Because I've I've certainly found that when I'm working on scripts... I bought yeah. <laughs> I bought a couple of tracksuits to work on scripts in because it oh, just felt right. right and I really yeah. I, it really helped my progress because I was like I if I'm just in my day-to-day clothes I can go from doing a bit of like particularly during the pandemic doing a bit of writing yeah. to not whereas if I'm getting into my writing outfit and again I've always had that in mind for if I direct down the line that I'd yeah. need a directing outfit rather than just I'm having having to decide on the day if you know what I mean. I'd rather have that decision yeah. out of my head. Well, I when we shot in Greece for Glass Onion, I did go out and purposefully bought like whatever 10 like short sleeve shirts that, that were fun and just like some shorts and just like, you know, I did kind of say, okay, I'm going to get a summer wardrobe to wear while I'm directing. Um, no, I, I when I'm actually directing, directing, I just kind of wear 
what I wear day to day anyway, because I know I know some really good directors like dress up or wear suits Mm -hmm. or wear, you know, what have you. I don't know. I, I, I feel like the day is hard enough. <laughs> yeah, I just want to I just want to be comfortable. You know, the yeah. big, my big revelation recently is is just uh, finally breaking down and just buying a good pair of Nikes and just wearing kind of really soft, cushy uh, sneakers on set, yeah. um, which have saved my my increasingly old man feet by the end of the day. It's got to um, be I, done. Comfort over everything. I know. Oh, I, I used to want to wear stylish shoes on set, and now I'm just like, no, give me a nice uh, nice comfy pair of New Balance, and I'll, I'll take it. The, the Beastie Boys r- really helped people in that way. S- yeah. S- suits and sneakers was was, was a real a real breakthrough. Um, yeah. Well, I'm always adamant about not giving any spoilers away. It's why we've we've we've, we've, we've talked around the subjects and context yeah. and stories of, of of Glass Onion, but not going too far. I even avoid trailers. But there's one thing I need yeah. to know because I don't yeah. think it was referenced in the film. Yeah. Is that Kanye on the on on the mural in in, in the background? It is. It is. It, yeah, our production. I kept designer, looking, going. No one's mentioned yeah. this, but I'm sure that's Kanye. Up there. I'm happy. I'm happy you caught it. Our production designer, Rick Heinrich. <laughs> Originally had just like a Greek hero like on there, like yeah. you know, and and I, <laughs> I got a laugh from Rick when I said, "Ah, can we make that Kanye?" And he just started cracking up, and I said, "Okay, let's do it." <laughs> Again, another thing that becomes becomes more relevant I every week that know, goes by towards the sadly, release. Sadly, but it really makes a lot of sense. <laughs> You touched upon, I'll start to wrap things up shortly, but you touched upon working with your friends and working with the right people. How important is it to to find the the balance, to find a DOP you like, a set like mm-hmm. set designers you like, and all all that kind of thing, so that you can make the films that you want to make and not have to worry about, you know, yeah. all the other angles. It's the entire thing. I mean, it's it's, you know, for a lot of different reasons. I mean, I, I do find that the best work comes out of a place of a place of comfort, I guess, a place of um, or a place of of confidence and um, yeah, a, pl- a place of everyone feeling safe, I guess. And yeah. and I think that comes very easily out of pre-existing relationships that feel good. You know, if you find something good, stick with it. And also, though, I mean, I you know, but I've also had experiences with. Uh, working with new people that have been wonderful too, you know? So um, the bigger thing for me is just, I don't know, ultimately what I'm going to take out of the experience of making a movie is not the movie itself. I mean, I'm rarely going to go and revisit that. It's the memories of the experience of making it. You know, I mean, this is, and remembering that for for everyone involved, this is a big chunk of our lives. This is a huge, how many movies you get to make in your life? You know, this is, this is a huge, event and wanting it to be a good experience, wanting it to be something that we are, we're going to hold dear as a memory, uh, you know, when we get to the end of this road that we all, that that's the main way that it will exist as a story for us is as a chunk of is whatever a year of our lives. And that's, that's no small thing. So you want that to be a good thing for myself, but also for everyone that I'm roping into this journey. I want them to come out the back end of it saying, yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad I spent this piece of my life doing that. I love it. Well, to wrap things up, I just want to ask what's ahead because two pals of mine, John Bradley and Benedict Wong, have got me insanely excited about a a show that you've produced, a three-body problem. Um, Poker Face 
with returning with jo- yeah. Joseph Gordon Lovett and Adrian Brody and, and Natasha Leone, Ron Perlman, all amazing. And that's your first time directing a whole series. So what what's what's ahead? And give us a yeah. quick a quick. I know we've got to wrap up, but yeah. no, yeah. Last thing. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, I am producing. I mean, Dan Dan Weiss and David Benioff are, mm-hmm. are produce are were really the creatives behind the three body problem yeah. adaptation, but it's material that I'm really passionate about and that yeah. um, I'm really excited with what they're doing with it. It, sounds, it's, it's just, it feels to me that it's, it's going like, to, as soon as it arrives, it's going to just, yeah. I hope so. It's a really, ins- it's, it's, anyone who knows the material should be really excited yeah. for what's coming. I love it. Um, and then Poker Face, it's, I'm really thrilled. It's the first TV show I've created. I, I directed three of the episodes, but I was just super involved throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, it's Natasha Leone doing a case of the week mystery series. That's the type it. of show like, you know, Magnum PI or Rocker Files or Columbo or, you know, it's a type of thing that I grew up watching where yeah. it's not like the mysteries over the whole season. It's every single episode is yeah. like a little min- mini movie with guest stars and everything. So, um, oh, I was looking at the cast and it looks insane. And that makes m- blast, m- more yeah. sense now that, that you've got yeah. certain people. Yeah. Guest stars oh yeah, week. yeah. No, each one is truly a guest star. Yeah, it's like little movies. So I'm excited about that, man. But we'll, let's put this one out, and then we'll then we'll we'll get to the next one. Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, and this I'm delighted to have finally met, man. I said we've yeah. got so many mutuals who speak so highly of you. You're a very highly regarded person, man. So Whoa, it's been nice to man. meet. Well, it's so so lovely, and getting getting into. I'm happy you reached out to those folks, and I'm glad we got to finally connect. I love it. We can do more in the future. Thank you very much, man. All right, thanks, service. Yeah, have a good one. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was episode 491 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. People I mentioned in that chat... Edgar Wright has been on the podcast. Go and check that out. Kelly Marcel has been on the podcast. Go and check that out. John Bradley, Benedict Wong, they've both been on the podcast. Go and check both of those episodes out. All of them. In fact, if this is your first time tuning in, I've had Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Paddy Considine, just loads of your favourite actors. Go and have a big dig. Deep dig. I've got a stammer as well if this is your first time tuning in. Go and dig deep and enjoy. I'll be back next week where we'll be doing TV shows of the year and I've got some guests on to discuss my TV shows of the year. Films of the year will be the first episode in January. Don't worry about that. But TV shows of the year is a little bonus that we're doing next week in that Christmas New Year gap. So enjoy that. Until then, stay safe and stay sane, and a Merry Christmas, one and all. Ta-ta.